Hey, everybody. This is another edition of Churches Now Online podcast with Scott Irwin. Hey. And the lovely Kristen Jacobson. Oh, that's nice. And I am her husband, Dan Jacobson. You had to clarify that just in case we were like, why is he being weird with the girl host on this show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I more or less was trying to, you know, appease uh, anyone who is out there who's like, um, you know, that sort of chauvinist who's, who's like, you know, always talking about, oh, my wife. I was trying to give like the husband perspective now. Like, no, 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 I'm her husband, right? Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah. We're in 2020 yeah. now. 2020 is all about right. balancing, right? That's right. Balance. Like uh, trying, to, trying to figure out how you pay homage to the past and move into the future all without offending anyone. Or stepping outside of your room. Correct. That's also what 2020 is now. That's that's right. Literally, Kristen banished me this week to a new room. I've got less actual term. Um, I took over the guest room. I'm in my new studio. It's very bright. It's very feminine. Um, I really (laughs) want to like darken up the walls in here to make it seem a little bit more like uh, a man cave. Uh, but I'm not complaining. I've where, got a door that closes on the kids. So. Where were you before? Oh, you were downstairs before? And- so we had this whole setup in the front room. We have like an office area, and that, but that became the school room, the piano lesson room, wow. my office, Dan's office. And so there were days when all five of us were in that room. Finally, we thought, you know what is not being used? The guest room is not being used <laughs> Every because other room we in the cannot house. have guests during there this ain't time. Ain't no guests coming over right now. So we, it's, it's like coming to terms with the fact that this quarantine is going to last a while. And yes. you'd think after four weeks, we would have gotten that through our heads, but we are realizing, no, no, this is, this is how life will be. Well, you know, I don't think you're the only one, uh, the only ones coming to terms with it. The, <laughs> did anybody see last night, the, uh, the NBA put on that horse, horse oh, competition? I wanted to watch it. I did not realize it was last night. Yeah. When you say horse, you're you're not talking about horse racing. You're talking about the game horse, like H O R S E. Like you yes, take yes, a shot. Like basketball. You take I a mean, shot, and someone else has got to make it. Yes. ESPN the Ocho might be doing something with horses. I don't know, but <laughs> it's ESPN Ocho. itself itself. Yeah. They did this like horse game because obviously the NBA season is postponed. I don't know. It's not totally canceled yet. But can you play horse social distanced? So what they did is they grabbed, I think, six players, eight players, NBA, WNBA, like recently retired players. And uh, they are having them film themselves in their house. And or so gym. Or, or, yeah. Match nice. them up. So they, they're filming themselves in a gym, doing a shot, like live stream. And then the person has to match it from their house. So yeah, you can play horse, social distance. That's Look at that. incredible. So I did not watch it, although I intended to. I didn't realize it was happening last night. And then, but I'm looking it up right now. And the what I'm seeing overall is that people are blasting it for its terrible production quality, <laughs> which I feel Was it just like, on Zoom? Is that all it like, was? No, I think it's like cell phones. Like I think people like took it on their phones or like like said like Facebook Live or something. Oh, I don't no. know. But everybody's saying there's a, this meme of LeBron holding a flip phone and it says yeah. this is how it was recorded. <laughs> it was like nationally broadcast. I think it was on ESPN. Right. But it feels like you have to give a little bit of grace. Like how are they going to well, do it? Like they're going to have I'm a full so production surprised. crew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so surprised because like guys like Jimmy Fallon have moved their their thing to their house. Um, SNL this weekend. SNL. They did everything from remote locations. That's kind of right. crazy. Right. There's only a couple of 
places still doing like studio feeds or studio production things. And uh, it seems like imperfect is the new in, right? I mean, like yeah. uh, everything I'm seeing on Instagram, on Facebook, is, it's like interesting because it's their home. Like yeah. you're, you're in people's houses now and you're just like, how do they live? This is incredible. So, yeah. so this is everybody's chance. Like we are all common ground here. No production value needed. Everybody yeah. just grab your flip phone from. Whether you live in a, in a Toyota Tercel or in a mansion overlooking, you know, the yeah. Galapagos Islands, you <laughs> are on this. Everyone's equal in the eyes of Facebook Live. Yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I um so th- that reminds me of what churches did this past weekend. We didn't do this at Bethel. I-, I don't I don't know how much work this is. It sounds like an insane amount of work. But have you seen like Zoom choirs? No, really? Yeah. So some churches have done things where like it would they would start a song on one person just singing, you know, they got the dude with the phone and the everything and then all of a sudden another picture appears and they're singing in harmony and then like a guy playing drums appears and then all of a sudden your screen's filled with like 150 people spread out all throughout either the city or in their homes or whatever and um, Hamilton did this uh, for on some some uh, some good news John Krasinski's uh, huh. uh, show that Kristen uh, you know woke us up to you right. uh, yeah right. you know yeah, I saw that. I, I saw that um, uh, at Elevation, their Easter service, they did that. They had the big backdrop drop screen. And I don't know if it was all their worship leaders or whatever, but there was, you know, 50 people on the screen, all in white, yeah. singing. I was on it. I don't I don't know why you guys oh, didn't you see were me. There. I was one I of the screens. That yeah, far. I was one of the boxes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, I was not. That's just a joke. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm one of those Zoom bombers or, or whatever you call them. Oh, you oh, don't yeah, want to be yeah. that. You don't want to be I know that. you don't because it implies all these. But that would be an excellent like Zoom bomb? use of it. Zoom yes. bomb the choir with Zoom a horrible choir. singing yeah. voice. Is that a new vocabulary? <laughs> I've not heard of Zoom bombing. Or did we just... Oh, really? Well, it's a real I mean, I've deal. heard of the thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know there was a word for it. Yeah. yeah. Zoom yeah. bomb. There's a word. There's a word. Exactly. Exactly. Um so Scott, this is uh, it's this is dropping on Thursday, and the weekend's yes. coming up, and this is weekend. What did we say it was? Weekend number four, weekend number five. Do we even call it a weekend anymore? I feel like <laughs> weekend is just the worst term to use because Friday doesn't feel like Friday anymore. Am our, I right? Our our days now, it's like just biting <laughs> the next bite of casserole. Like everything <laughs> is the same bite. There's no difference in texture. Oh my gosh. Quarantine t- equals casserole. That is quarantine casserole. Every day. There's some guy sitting in a corner of his room who's got like his chalk out and he's like scribbling, <laughs> you know, like little Roman numerals or whatever tally marks on the wall for how many days he's been sitting in the coronavirus corner, just 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 chalking it up, going. You know what I'm concerned about is the person who has like completely removed themselves from the internet and from society and yeah. then doesn't hear that the quarantine is lifted. And so then like, they're just, they're stuck <laughs> in their room. You know, like that, that guy happen? from World War II that was fighting on yeah. the island. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I totally do. And you know what? It's going to happen. It's definitely yeah. going to happen. They're going to be Instacarting their life away. And yeah. Okay. How are they Instacarting, away. but they don't have access to internet that would <laughs> no, tell no, them quarantine? Some people have just, just chosen to turn off the news. They've just chosen to not live in the positive or the negative of the news. And they've just said, no, I'm going to just 
pretend like nothing's going on and I'm just going to live my life until someone tells me it's okay to poke my head out from this hole. Yeah, uh, yeah no, Scott, you're totally right. You know, I, so I'm doing the new every morning, uh, like daily meditations. Yeah. The yeah. only reason I do those at this point of life is just so I can say the date. <laughs> Start out by saying, <laughs> yeah, I do it in my like quasi preachy voice, my, my poetic uh, podcaster voice. And I go, it's Monday. And, Monday, uh, April yeah. 13th. Yeah. This is new every morning. No, you obviously don't <laughs> listen because that's not how it works. I rushed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You rushed it. True. I'm no, but it. I have to say the date. And that's, that's the only way I know what, what day it is. <laughs> so someone, uh, if you're, if you're worried that you're going to miss the mm-hmm. end of the pandemic, if you're going to miss the rapture, uh, all you got to do is subscribe to this podcast because yeah. when I stop saying the date, you can get out. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's done. We can also just make a promise to our faithful listeners that if quarantine is lifted, we will let them know. So there's another reason to listen to churches now online. There you go. Come personally knock on your door. No, I will not do that. Oh, no. (laughs) Until until next week, I think uh, we're going to wrap this up and uh, move on to our guests that we have today. And I want to give a big shout out to all of you who are uh, faithfully holding down your families and loving each other and staying inside and, and helping uh, do the thing for the cause of, of uh, caring for everybody. And uh, until then, we will see you later. Welcome to the podcast here. Uh, two of my dear friends and co-workers here at Bethel Church. We have on the line uh, Tim Chen. Hi, everyone. And Dexter Harris. Hello, everybody. Tim and Dexter are uh, both fellow campus pastors here at Bethel Church. Tim oversees our Mandarin-speaking congregation up in Highland. And Dexter oversees our Gary campus in Gary, Indiana. And today, guys, what I wanted to take just the next 13, 14 minutes on is to talk about um, how coronavirus has impacted our individual communities. And I think a lot of people in the HP community are aware of the impact here in Hulbert and Portage, but maybe unfamiliar with the ways that um, coronavirus is impacting our broader church community and uh, communities made up of people who live in spaces not too far from us, but feel like they're uh, culturally uh, different. And so I just wanted to have a conversation with you guys, if that's okay, about what coronavirus has done to the um, Asian American community and the African American community. So are we all ready for a conversation? Yes, sir. Yes. All right, well, Tim, maybe we start with you. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago, months ago even, the Chinese campus was very much ahead of the curve on coronavirus. Can you tell us what those first days were like and when uh, the Chinese congregation began making preparations for coronavirus? Uh, Yes, we were preparing, actually preparing for celebrating the Chinese New Year uh, in January. And all of a sudden we heard the uh, 
unexpected announcement, uh, Wuhan city, the biggest central city in China, locked down. And then they hit the nerve everybody uh, in the Chinese community in Northwest Indiana. And uh, a lot of people in my congregation are afraid to uh, gather together uh, and end up we cancel this event. The reason for that is uh, since uh, most of the people in the Northwest Indiana Chinese community have deep connection uh, with someone in China, either their family members or relatives. Also, uh, uh, many students from China also study at the Purdue uh, Northwest camp campus. So we, we are afraid, don't know who and when they may show up in our congregation someday. So ever since then, we have uh, seen a big drop on our church attendance before we meet online. That's, uh, and, and, and then we, uh, everybody kind of proactively, they watch news every day, every single day and share the information. And uh, they actually start to uh, stock up their uh, uh, living necessities early on uh, among other uh, other people in, in our society. Absolutely. So that's how we prepare for this uh, pandemic event. Dexter, you've, this is your, uh, your repeat guest here on the podcast with us. Welcome here again. Back. Good to and, be back. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first time that you were on, you said that it wasn't really until like the NBA postponed their season that maybe uh, folks in the Gary community started taking it seriously. And how would you describe maybe the state of things in uh, the Gary community today? Yeah, I, I definitely think that the city uh, Gary has progressed in its um, aggressiveness in regards to um, reacting to the coronavirus. Um, everything, you know, is shut down. The mayor has taken uh, very strict measures. Um, police are enforcing um, that people adhere to uh, the government restrictions. Um, and so it's definitely has progressed in the opposite direction since the last time uh, we talked. I think residents are taking it more serious. We had a, had a few deaths in the city of Gary in relation to COVID-19. Um, and so I think all of that has uh, really um, alarmed the community and I think people are taking it much more serious. Yeah, this current state of things today seems to be much different than it was before. And um, for the African-American community, maybe going from um, what is this to, oh, my goodness, right? Like there's kind of that, that element. But, Tim, I know um, you, you've brought up in many of our pastors' gatherings, and I'm grateful for your voice uh, speaking up to these things, that this has brought about some significant challenges for the Chinese community. Can you speak to those? Yes, I think because the, uh, the coronavirus uh, started in China and, uh, and quickly spread all over the world. So that created a stigma um, uh, on Chinese people. And uh, as we see, there are more and more news um, breaking out that the, uh, the Asian Americans and any uh, Chinese look uh, people are discriminated against. And we're seeing that has fueled a rise in anti-Chinese and anti-Asian racism across the country and across the world. And particularly in America, 
uh, Asian Americans are seeing increasingly uh, xenophobic sentiment, and we fear verbal and physical attacks. And um, as I share with you a few uh, articles, um, uh, Dan, yep. people have been harassed at airports, on the street, in subways, and at schools. And even in our Chinese uh, Chinese uh, congregation, one members one of the members recently experienced a discriminative attitude against her Chinese background at her workplace. So people, I mean, when when Asian people wear masks, they get yelled at. Why you um, get the racial slurs? If they don't wear masks, they also get yelled at. Why don't you wear a mask? So we become a sandwich that they, uh, we are the, the target people uh, are discriminated against. And uh, that's a double fear in our heart in addition to fight against the, the coronavirus. At one level, it seems like the fight against the medical condition of having COVID-19 is enough to have to worry about, but then to feel unwelcomed in your own hometown because of your appearance. Um, that's another layer of complexity and sadness that um, comes to it. And I'm glad that you were able to communicate to us. It's not just things that we're seeing online, not just um, uh, th these aren't some made up stories. These are real things that are happening in our community here in Northwest Indiana. And uh, Tim, what would what would be something that you would encourage us as the body of Christ, as, a, as Bethel Church, we are one church, five congregations. W would there be something that you as a pastor would say to us in terms of how to, um, how to approach um, uh, people who are Asian American in this time and, and, and in a way that we could love the Chinese community? Yes, I think it's very important for all Christians to understand a virus um, it's, it's not uh, understand the need to uh, uh, denounce the racist attitude. And uh, especially for the church leaders, we, when we uh, occupy the pulpit, it's uh, good to uh, educate the congregation to know that this is a sinful nature. This is a sin that we, 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 we dis discriminate against people because the, uh, the ethnic background. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are not virus, and uh, we are not as a uh, collectively as a race that, that caused the, uh, the the pandemic. It, I mean, it it it, uh, it it can ascribe to the, uh, the 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 late reporting on the government of China, but uh, that the uh, science to take to take care of the work and don't let people's attitude to. Uh, uh, discriminate against the Asian Americans. And racism really has no place in our church, in our country. And the, pandem the, pandemic, uh, the pan uh, pandemic afflicts no specific group of people or nation. We should uh, work together, fight against the same enemy that is invisible. You're right in saying that this uh, this this virus does not discriminate against who is um, infected, but it is uh, drawing some stark lines within our society. I heard one person on Facebook the other day um, say a lot of people are worried about being exposed to coronavirus 
But what we should really be worried about is being exposed by coronavirus, meaning the fear that exists in our own hearts is coming out in the midst of a um, pandemic. And for some people, that that sickness that you talk about, this sinful condition, Tim, it reveals itself in racist attitudes that come out in terms of hatred and anger towards someone who they you know, most likely haven't had a chance to talk to and get their experience and, and know about what life situation this person has gone through. They just are, um, I saw one report of people spitting on um, a lady outside of an airport and, and telling her to go back to uh, her country and, and, and just being um, incredibly unloving towards people. Um, but there's also, Dexter, maybe you can speak towards this. This is hitting the African-American community um, in disproportionate ways than it is most other communities. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, so one of the things that uh, we're seeing in black and brown communities is that black and brown people are dying at seven times the rate than any other ethnic group. Um, and a lot of this has to do with a, you know, just a long history of, you know, discrimination and injustice um, towards black and brown communities here in America. Um, and now we're seeing some of the disparities that have been longstanding um, now affecting um, the way COVID-19 is hitting us, like income disparities, uh, healthcare disparities, um, also um, um, the, the, the other thing that we're seeing is that um, the, the access to food um, and quality food. Um, and so COVID-19 attacks underlying health issues like diabetes and high blood pressure. And those things are very prevalent in the African-American community. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, uh, obviously, uh, particularly in the city of Gary, having access to quality food, um, to have healthy immune systems and things like that. Um, and so when you combine all of those things, uh, we're dealing with more than just a virus, or I should say that it's harder for us to fight against this virus um, because we have so many other things fighting against us as well. Um, that actually aids in a bed in the effect of this virus, you know, in our communities. Um, and not that these things are new. I think that COVID-19 um, is just another spotlight on the disparities. Um, but, I mean, you can do the ripple effect all the way back, or you can look back to um, uh, Flint, Michigan, with the water issue. You can go back to Katrina, uh, Hurricane Katrina. And the, and, and the ways that these things impact black and brown communities are just totally different um, in regards to uh, different ethnic groups and things like that. Um, Absolutely. So, and so now we're resting. De Dexter, you and I are going to have a chance to uh, chop that up, what you just said here in the coming minutes. But we are due, we're up against a, uh, a hard stop for Tim, who needs to move on to some pastoral work that he has. You know, the, the life of a pastor is never stopping. And uh, we're squeezing in these conversations in the spaces that we have uh, while we're working from home and, and working remotely. And so um, maybe before we let Tim off the line here, Dexter, is there anything you want to say to Tim to encourage uh, him and our Asian American brothers and sisters? Yeah, man. Uh, first and foremost, um, we're praying for you guys. Uh, I was considering you guys, dear brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, my heart goes out to the discrimination that's, that's happening in a very real sense. Uh, my heart resonates with that person that um, 
also has faced, uh, you know, discrimination. Um, I just know what that feeling is like. So you guys are not alone. Uh, we are we are praying for you guys. Be strong in the Lord. Um, and 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 if and if we can do anything to help, uh, let me know. In fact, uh, I was I was doing. I had a little illustration in my sermon, and I reached out to Tim Chen and I asked him, "Hey, is this going to be helpful?" for the Chinese community if I use this illustration. And he discouraged me to do that. And I think that's ways that we can be um, sensitive towards one another. Um, And so so in that way, we're trying to be loving and caring as well and sensitive to what's going on with our Asian brothers and sisters. Thank you so much, Dexter, for encouragement. And and thank you, Dan, for your opportunity. Allow me to uh, speak up uh, on behalf uh, the Chinese community. Well, Tim, we love you. We we love our um, our brothers and sisters. Part of what Dexter and I are going to get to in a moment is who is our neighbor, and uh, you are not just our our neighbor. You're our family, and we stand with you. And uh, we we also from the HP community and all of Bethel, I know, shares the sentiment that we renounce any sense of racial uh, superiority that would discriminate against anyone of. Uh, Asian American or, or any ethnic um, standard. Or, or, and so we want to let you know, brother, that's not uh, the gospel lived out here. And we're grateful for you calling out sinful attitudes and behaviors where you see them. Part of the gospel is exposing darkness and bringing the light to bear upon it. And that's exactly what you're doing uh, as a pastor here at our church. Thank you for uh, being courageous enough to step in that space, uncomfortable as it may seem, but also to uh, do so for the benefit of the whole body. That's just uh, something we need. And so we're grateful for you, brother, and praying for you. God bless you. Thank you, Dan. And uh, goodbye, everybody who is listening to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Dex, this would be an incredibly uh, much more robust conversation if uh, we could have uh, arranged this at a time where Tim could stay on the line to uh, keep uh, chopping up his uh, perspective of what you just talked about of the African-American experience. Yep. What you just said is, is um, not something that I've heard a lot of news outlets reporting on, though I've seen it and I've got my own Evernote log of articles that are talking about um, the disparity between minority populations who are, um, let's, let's, let's you know, call coronavirus what it is. It is a non-discriminatory virus. It is targeting everyone and anyone. But the problem is, is that um, not every uh, aspect of society has the same, let's call it unique privileges, unique positions to be able to afford certain things in life, such as distance or space. Um, You know, you and I have the opportunity to work in other church we do to be able to protect our families by working at home, working remotely, really limiting the contact that we have with certain people. But not everybody in every community has that ability to um, just work from home. And so I think what we're seeing is in the African-American community, you you threw out the number five times uh, the rate of people um, in the African-American community are um, dying as a result of coronavirus. Let me throw some numbers by you. These are from um, uh, the John Hopkins University uh, State Health Departments and American Community Survey. So not anything that's like, you know, um, fake coronavirus news.com. You know, like this is legit. Right. These are legit numbers. And I just want to walk around the Midwest 
So in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin, 26% of the population is African-American. 73% of the deaths in Milwaukee County have been African-Americans. 26% represent the total population, but 73% of those who have died are African-American. But that's Wisconsin. That's too far away. So let's go to Chicago. In Chicago, African-Americans represent 32% of the overall population of Chicago. And yet in Chicago, the number of deaths of COVID-19 from the African-American community represent 67% of all the deaths in Chicago of COVID-19. So going from 32% of the population, general population, but then representing 67% of those who have died. In Illinois as a whole state, it's 14% of the state is African-American. And yet of the whole entire state, 42% of those who have succumbed to the virus uh, with, uh, with, by death are 42% of the population. Hmm. I don't have the stats for Indiana. Um, we can imagine a lot of people in Indiana travel to Chicago-based hospitals. But in Michigan, here's Michigan, 14% of Michigan is likewise, uh, the numbers for Illinois and Michigan are identical. 42% of Michigan is African-American. And yet that 14% of um, Michigan represents 41% of the deaths in Michigan. Mm. If you're looking at the graphs, I mean, they're, they're stark. You know, you've got a, a small population that goes to a, a gigantic jump in terms of those who have uh, died according to uh, COVID-19. And so we're seeing that you can't make the case that this is not a, coronavirus does not discriminate. And yet something is broken in our society where one group of people can respond so drastically in a negative sense to this virus. Dex, what do those numbers tell you? Um, for me, like, it's just a reminder of how far we have to go to um, close the gap in regards to um, the disparities, you know, in our communities that's leading to numbers like this, like the income brackets between uh, black and white houses are uh, drastically different. If we were to pull up other numbers outside of just COVID-19, healthcare, our food industry, I think that we'll continue to see these large gaps and we have to say, well, why is this? And how do we um, solve these problems? Um, but, but for me, those numbers, you know, don't just communicate numbers. Um, those numbers communicate lives to me, um, people that look just like me. Um, and so there's an emotional pain uh, that those numbers carry. Um, especially being a pastor in a, um, in a community that is largely uh, black and brown folks. Um, I think that, you know, it's a, it's a reality, you know, for me um, and those that I know. Um, and so, so it's definitely more than just numbers, you know, for us. The Surgeon General Jerome Adams um, is a uh, African-American and here's his quote. He said, I've shared myself, I've shared myself personally that I have high blood pressure. He's 45 years old, by the way. 
He says, I've shared myself personally that I have high blood pressure, that I have heart disease and spent a week in the ICU due to a heart condition, that I actually have asthma and I'm pre-diabetic. And so I represent that legacy of growing up poor and black in America. This is the Surgeon General of America explaining you know, if you want anyone to be in great shape, you want the Surgeon General to be in great shape, and, and he is. And yet he's saying, look, these are all the things that would complicate my reaction to coronavirus, and, and a lot of it has to do with my childhood. A lot of it has to do with the way that I grew up. Um, and, uh, and so I think you're, you're absolutely right to say there's, there's more to just predisposition to health conditions. There is a real socioeconomic um, dimension to this. And so my question then, here's what I want to do is transition our conversation because you and I are not necessarily like, um, you know, we're not politicians. We're not uh, 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 people who make uh, legislation. We're not policymakers. We know some, but we aren't some. You know, we play some on TV every once in a while. Um, We are but pastors, people who care deeply about our community, people who care about our community representing more heaven than hell. Uh, we want to bring the, the principles of heaven to earth. And so uh, how do we think about this then, this type of pandemic and what it's doing to our communities w- with a gospel lens? Like what does the gospel inform in our ways of thinking? Right. I think as we, you know, consider the gospel, obviously, you know, we're about, you know, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in that message you know, totally and radically transforms us um, so much that it impacts the way in which we live in the way in which we care for our neighbor. And I think as the church, we have a wonderful opportunity to share the love of Christ in seasons like this. And for the church to look at numbers that you just quoted and to say, what can we do as the body of Christ to close the distance, close the gap in, in some of these numbers? And, and of course, that end goal being that, that Christ may be, may be glorified. And so um, even us, you know, as a church in the city of Gary, which is, which is a very low-income community, how do we provide the resources how do we do ministry in such a way that that we contextualize in in transform in such a way that we're able to speak, particularly through this enemy COVID nineteen, um, to help families um, into um, into also um, figure out ways in which we um, address hurts and pains in our community that is causing these disparities. So like for me, one of the things I'm thinking through is what does it look like to have a quality grocery store, um, you know, in the community? Um, how do we get to our people, um, quality healthcare, uh, where they can be, you know, you know, care for. And so I think as a, as a pastor, uh, we want the gospel to drive our compassion. We want it to drive our hands and feet. We see, you know, many times in Jesus' ministry, he, he definitely and certainly did not neglect the preaching of the gospel. Um, but but he's also among people and he's feeding the poor and he's caring about them. The Bible says that he looked out on them and had great compassion. And so I think the church has a wonderful opportunity in the midst of such darkness to shine bright 
the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so. Well, what would you say to people who maybe think, you know, they resonate with what you're saying, they resonate with the statistics that we're bringing about, and even the general direction that our conversation is flowing in the sense of um, wanting to have compassion for those in our communities. But they're inundated with so much news and concern for everyone, right? And at some level, the news is like a global phenomenon. How much do we care about Italy? How much do we care about China? How much do we care about uh, the UK? How, how much do we care about Louisiana? How much do we care about Wisconsin? Um, and so for, for this person, they feel like, yeah, I'm with you. It's a problem, but it's not a problem that I can do anything about. What would you, well, how would you encourage that type of a person who's listening right now? Yeah. Well, first off, you know, I sympathize that there is a lot of information. There is a lot going on. Uh, but I think that we always have to consider, you know, our own backyard, where we are, um, and to ask, man, like, what would the Lord have me to do? And I think that oftentimes we see even within scripture, you know, God inclining our hearts towards the poor, um, those who do maybe not have a voice, um, that, that the Lord would have us to bend our hearts towards them um, because they don't have the strength nor the power to overcome their situation. And it's not to say that um, there's not hurt and pain going around for everyone, um, but it helps when you have a savings account to carry you through this. It helps when you have plenty of resources in your neighborhood that you can get to. Um, but there's a demographic and population, I'm a, I obviously speak particularly to the city of Gary, that don't have the resources, that don't have the phones, that don't have the connections. Uh, obviously, um, us being in the city of Gary, a church that is connected to a larger congregation, has been extremely beneficial for us to get resources um, to the people in Gary. And I think that my encouragement is don't despise the little that you can do because the little that's nothing to you is everything to the person who has nothing at all. Um, and so, so utilize it, allow God to use it. And God has a way of taking a small thing and, and multiplying it exponentially. This moment that we're living in right now, it feels to me so much like what Jesus says. Some people call the, the parable of the Good Samaritan a real story. Actually, my own grandfather in his, um, I would say, highly touted commentaries, but that would be overreaching uh, in his commentary. He suggests that maybe this wasn't just a hypothetical story, but since the road to Jericho was actually uh, pretty treacherous, um, it's very possible that this event actually happened. Um, it feels to me like we are living in a Good Samaritan style day. And if you think about it, you know, you got that story. Everybody knows the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Uh, a Samaritan or a Jew is walking down from Jerusalem back from worshiping at the temple to his town in Jericho, a very dangerous road. And he gets beat up and taken uh, for all he's worth, left dead, uh, half dead and on the side of the road. And the priest comes by and you think the priest would help, but he doesn't. And the Levite comes by, you think the Levite would help, but he doesn't. But a Samaritan, someone who's an enemy of the Jews, they live next door to each other, but they could have lived on the opposite sides of the world. Uh, they didn't worship the same place. They worshiped differently. They were thought of as less than. The, the Samaritan was the one who had compassion. And even at the end of the story, Jesus said, which, which man was a neighbor 
to the traveler and the lawyer, the Jewish lawyer, betrays his own prejudice, his own racial prejudice, because he should have said the Samaritan. That's how Jesus set up the guy. But he says the man who helped him, the man who had compassion on him. He can't bring himself to say the Samaritan. Right. But what does that Samaritan do? He, he sees the man in need. He doesn't walk around him. He doesn't say that's someone else's problem. I'm, I'm glad that this, you know, this Jew has the temple system who's going to take care of him because, man, he really needs help and someone else will get him. No, he picks him up. He puts him on his own donkey. He brings him to an inn. He pays the bill and he says, hey, I'm going to pay it forward as well as long as it takes for this man to be well. And um, it seems to me that this is a moment in time for us where we need to ask our, ourselves the question, not just how do I help the person who's been beat up on the side of the road, but I heard Charlie Dates say this once, and I thought it's haunted me ever since. He, he asked the question, how do you fix the road? Right. <laughs> how do you, you know, Jer- Jericho doesn't need better policing. It needs a better road. And he, like, how do you build better roads between, um, between people who uh, are, are being disenfranchised? And, and why was it that this man had to go back to his house upon a road that was notoriously prone to, to robbers and to being beaten up? I think all of these statistics prove for us, at least from my perspective, that there is a road in our society that is broken and it is susceptible, leaving people susceptible to corona, right? Corona is exposing the, um, you know, quote unquote robbers on the Jericho Road. And so you're, you're, you're bringing up some of these issues such as um, uh, affordable health care and access to health care, access to fresh foods. Um, savings accounts that are, you know, accessible, jobs that pay a good enough wage uh, to be able to have a savings account. Um, what is, maybe what does all of that uh, make you think of for roads forward for the Gary community, particularly as, a, you know, as we think about and dream about, and this is maybe too hypothetical for us to actually put in recording. We're going to leave this part in, I promise you. Uh, but uh, what does this make you think about for opportunities for our church? Like, how can we be good neighbors on this Jericho Road? Yeah, um, I love that you brought up uh, <laughs> Fix the Road uh, because we don't want to just patch it we don't want COVID-19 um, to be a, a temporary fix, um, a drop in, drop out um, kind of thing. Uh, one of my favorite scenes, and uh, I forgot the name of the movie, but it's John Newton, and he's um, dealing with the uh, slavery in England. And he, um, he takes the people to the boat, the slave boat. And they try to put the rags over their mouths and he, he tells them to remove it and to, to take it in. Um, I think that one of my encouragements, because I think you need motivation to fix the road. And that Samaritan uh, saw his neighbor. He, he witnessed it. He didn't hear about it. He witnessed it. So the next time you go to a grocery store, go to Gary. Shop at the grocery store and, and see what they're uh, selling. Um, and, and then to ask ourselves, is this what I would want for my family? Um, and then I think that from there we say, okay, what does it look like for us to help get quality, you know, grocery stores, um, you know, in this community? Uh, what does it look like for us to um, be advocates of, of, of uh, quality, quality health care and 
I think it takes us as a society to speak up. If we use our voice, if we exercise our voice um, to, to put pressure and to encourage the rebuilding, you know, of that city, um, I think that, um, you know, over time we'll begin to see uh, some of those roads um, being, being fixed. Um, and, 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 and not just roads that access quality uh, resources, but I also think that we have to build roads between each other. Um, yeah. Because it's it's when we have relationship with each other um, that uh, breeds a sort of compassion in us for one another. It's hard for us to turn our head because in that Jesus is saying like, "Who's my neighbor?" And sometimes theoretically we can get that, but I think when we're in relationship with people, then we really begin to see that our brothers and sisters in the city of Gary, they 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 are my neighbors, and God has called me to to care for them. Yeah. It's interesting to me um, how a moment like now will expose us for you know, almost like the great day of the Lord exposes our works. Uh, in the midst of a pandemic, our society is exposed and we get to see the things that maybe we've put patches over are actually cracked. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's very, what is done in me and, and, and this is just a personal reflection is to say, you know, all the progress that I thought we'd been making, um, I'm praying to the Lord and asking and saying, God, like, don't, don't let us step so far backwards that we can't um, pick up. Right. And I think it's not, it's not for this coronavirus to pass before we start rebuilding. I think it needs to start now. It needs to be in the middle of, um, in the middle of, of the trial that we uh, band together and support one another and uh, act like the body of Christ that we are and, and say, uh, if, if one part of the body's hurting, we're all hurting. And, right. um, and I think right. that's, why, that's why we have such an incredible, this is what I love about Bethel Church, is we have such an incredible, um, you know, the Lord has brought us together. We're five campuses, but we're so many different ethnicities, right? I mean, like we are, we are a multicultural church and we don't always do that perfectly. Like we'll, we'll freely admit that, right? I think I've even heard Pastor Steve say that from the stage. Like, you know, we don't get the multicultural thing, you know, great all the time. And yet here we are, God's put us together. And uh, an opportunity we have for us right here, right now is not just to look out for our own interests, but also to look out for the interests of others. And the body is always stronger when we consider what's happening in the homes next door. And one of the ways I've, I've said this from the beginning of, of, um, sort of my own quarantine days, it was easy for me to look inward, but the thing that God's got me doing is looking upward and outward, uh, upward to who he is and that he's in, enthroned as king over the flood, but also looking outward to ask the question, how can I use what God's given me um, to just be a blessing to my neighbors uh, today and tomorrow and into the future? And so I guess um, the prayer that we have is for our Chinese brothers and sisters that as we stand with them, that um, they will feel safe and welcome and included in our community. I feel that um, they are not uh, less than brothers and sisters, but they are full adopted heirs and um, full participants in the glory of God, full uh, partakers of the inheritance of Christ because of the gospel, we wrap arms around them. Likewise, um, brothers and sisters from the Gary community who uh, participate uh, in worship in Gary, we, we also are locking arms with each other, right? 
and, yeah. um, and, and walking through this together. And so any last words you want to say before we kind of put a bow on this part of our, uh, our episode? Yeah, man. Uh, just continue to pray um, for the city of Gary and obviously other black and brown communities. Um, as we try to, you know, navigate through this, uh, pray for pastors who are trying to lead well and to care for people well. In some sense, it's, uh, as you, once again, as you look at the numbers, it feels overwhelming, but uh, we know that our Lord will provide and uh, ultimately he'll use everything to, to get glory. And uh, we're praying that the light of Christ will shine brightly in and through this. Obviously, there's so much more we can say uh, surrounding this topic, but at least for right now, I just wanted to bring awareness to those who listen to Churches Now Online uh, to have a broader context for what's going on in Northwest Indiana in the midst of uh, coronavirus pandemic of uh, 2020. And Dex, thanks for uh, being a brother in the fight. Thanks for uh, being a great pastor, a great friend, and a, a, a huge supporter of the HP campus. And on behalf of, behalf of the HP community, we appreciate you and love you, brother, and are grateful for the work God is doing in and through you. All right, brother. Grace and peace, man. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Church is Now Online podcast. For more resources from Bethel Church, head to BethelWeb.org, where you can stream services, give online, and find ways to impact our community. To connect with the HP campus, the best way to do that is on Facebook. Join our group by searching Bethel Church-Hobert Portage. If you enjoyed this content and want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you found this content. And it helps us if you rate and review. It just makes it easier for others to find us online. Church is Now Online is produced by the team at Bethel Hobart Portage, Christina Soderquist, Daniel Asher, Scott Irwin, and myself, Dan Jacobson. Thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, this podcast is to be continued.